to the new year, as well as welcoming Tammy Barlett. Tammy Barlett is an awesome individual. How are you, Tammy? I am awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, and you can, I'm going to tell you why she's so awesome. First of all, she is a retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force. She is also a former A-10 Warthog pilot. Now, if anyone's ever seen the A-10 Warthog pilot in any movies, it's a legitimate, uh, <laughs> legitimate battle-proven aircraft. And she is also the first, and as far as I can tell, the only Air National Guard Predator pilot to graduate from the Air Force's weapons instructor course. Did I get that right, Tammy? Oh, look at, there's That's your so picture. Cool. Yes. <laughs> For those of you that and, aren't and watching I, I, on video. I have to say, Maurice, real yeah. quick, that I, I, we're both in the Tucson area right now, Yes, uh, Tammy and I. And so I, I grew up in a little town called Benson. I you know, went to school in uh, U of A. And I grew up with the A-10 flying everywhere. <laughs> I was in love with the A-10. It's such an incredible piece of equipment. There's a we could spend a whole t whole hour talking about <laughs> just that platform alone. I and we have we have multiple friends in all the uh, all the uh, branches of the military. And oh my goodness, that's the gun. That's the gun. That is amazing. And that's matter of fact, my special forces buddies who would say that the A-10 Warthog was built around the gun, right? Yep. Is that right? And so you're basically piloting a plane that is <laughs> flying gun. And yes, you're pretty and... much kind of sitting in a titanium bathtub, basically. Right? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and what's really, and this, again, this is kind of a little side note, but, and they've, there's been multiple times where they've tried to replace it with, with newer platforms yeah. and that type of thing. And people come out of the woodwork to, to, say we this is an amazing piece of equipment it works don't mess it up yes. anyways i love yeah. the a10 it's it, i love it <laughs> well and, and, and i just totally derailed your intro i'm so sorry oh no yeah, this, is, we, this we, is a we this is the best possible <laughs> intro because usually it's just a long long little monologue right but what i love about this is you are so so um diverse in the military because it's not only the warthogs but you also, when you look at the Reaper, um, the MQ-9 as well as MQ-1, those are unmanned aerial ve uh, vehicles, UAVs, that you also pilot. So you've, you've run the gamut in the mint. Oh, my goodness. There it is. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I just That's pulled so up a cool. picture of the Predator. So, yeah, I just, I just want to – I did fly – I was a T-37 instructor pilot. Then I flew the A-10. And then I had cervical spine reconstruction. So I transitioned to fly the MQ-1 and the MQ-9, which is where I went to weapons school. And then I got a waiver for my spine and I ended my career as an instructor pilot in the T-38, which is the oh. aircraft's fighter trainer. So it was God. very diverse. Yes. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't realize that it was due to injury that you went into to, to piloting. I mean, and we're, I, I wanted to save a little bit, but what happened? <laughs> we got to go. We got well, to go into that. The short story is when I was flying the T-37, which is um, like a two-seat low-wing air, aerobatic trainer, side-by-side -side seating, it has a very high G onset rate. So it only pulled six Gs, um, which is still, you know, about two more, two more Gs in a roller coaster, but it, it was really fast and we didn't wear a G suit, which helps you wow. stay wow. conscious. Yeah. And so I was flying with another instructor and we were flying formation and he went from zero to six really quickly with me oh. looking up and I, I wasn't expecting it and mm. so I actually just kind of I sucked it up for many years and oh. finally while I was in the A-10 I got an MRI and I had a disc that was like almost pressing in my spinal cord and when they when they went to do oh. the surgery I, I was actually in pieces also. oh man Oh man, and Gary, you know a little bit about that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's incredibly painful. Incredibly painful. Yeah, the surgery was so it made life so much better. So oh. well, and, and that's not an easy surgery either. I mean, the recovery no. time on that's not not nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. No, it wasn't, but thankfully, because it was cervical, it there's much less pressure and weight. You know, the lower mm -hmm. you get your spine, the more weight mm -hmm. there is. So it, for me, it went pretty smoothly because I think part of it would be in the how high it was in my spine. So we're talking about all this awesome military stuff, right? And you are just one tough cookie. There's no doubt about it. And one tough cookie in every sense of the imagination. 
a completely non-traditional feel. I mean, you are a pilot in the Air Force uh, getting all these G's and such. I mean, there's no way I, I know I couldn't handle it. I'd knock out in two seconds. So all this really tough stuff. But then you're also the founder right? and uh, 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 the CEO of Athena's Voice, which is a completely different take on that, taking all the tough stuff and bringing to light so many other stories. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you can, and for those of you that might not know what Athena's voice is, I'm going to let Tammy talk about this, but how did you transition into or create something like that in the midst of everything that you were doing with the military? Yeah, well, what happened was, is it starts with my husband. Wow. He actually came up to me one night about maybe three or four years before I was planning to retire. And he said, I know what you're going to do when you retire. And I said, Oh yeah, what am I going to do? You know, I, I had my own little plan of, I don't know something, but I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have it solidified yet, but I just wanted to know what he was going to say. And I said, okay. What he said, motivational speaking. And I looked at him like he was insane because I mean, I'd been up on stage speaking before in an, I mean, formal, but not paid capacity, obviously many, many times. And a lot of it was flight briefings, but a, you know, a lot of times it, I had to be, have a unique story. So people wanted me to share it right. and, but it still made me so nervous. And the thought of going up on stage seemed to me kind of egotistical. I thought, you know what? I don't, and I don't really want to be in the limelight. I, I much prefer being part of a team than I do being individual, which is, I, I believe why I loved formation so much. That was my favorite thing to do. Um, but what happened was, is that even though initially I thought he was crazy, he put the seed, you know, planted the seed. And over the next couple of years, I ended my career at pilot training as instructor at the exact same base doing a similar, I mean, same job, different aircraft than I, when I started. So my first assignment was an instructor pilot, last assignment, instructor pilot, same base. And things looked pretty much the same as far as like women and how things were going. And, and I just, I didn't think, I don't ever think that it needs to be 50, 50. I'm not asking for that. Um, but I still had people coming up to me and saying, Oh, I, I can't fly fighters. I want to have kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have three kids. Uh, I, you know, there are all, all these reasons they couldn't. And I just thought about it. And if you know anything about world war II history, you know, that there are wasps out there. Mm -hmm. women air service pilots who flew in world war ii and they flew every single plane they didn't fly in combat but they flew everything instructor pilots they pulled um targets they tr you know they did tons of things ferrying planes but their stories weren't told until recently and they're still struggling to get them out and all almost them, all of them are gone mm -hmm. and the reason i bring this up is because what happened was is i realized that because so many women you know humbly go off to you know just take care of their families or do whatever they're going to do um and you know, push the limelight away, the stories aren't shared and it's not told. And my goal really, when I decided to start speaking was if you think of a forest and you look at it and you say, I want to, I'm going to go through this forest, but there's no paths. You're going to make your own. Okay. So you go and you do your, you make your own, but if we don't shine the light behind us for someone coming behind us, they're going to start their own path and they'll, they'll maybe get further or maybe not as far as you, but my goal is to shine the light on the path so that someone can take my path and go way further than I have ever gone. Because why not? That's, that's the point, right? So yeah. as soon as I realized that this was all in service of the people I would be speaking to, and that by not speaking, I thought it was being selfish. That's when the shift came. And I said, okay, I can do this. Wow. Um, so it was a mindset shift of how it would be and, and what was the purpose and what was my mission and the impact I could make. And that's when I reached out to Heather Penny who was speaking already. And she said, you know what, let's, she shared her in information about, you know, how to get in the speaking business and what she knew. And she said, let's, let's start a business. We need to get more women out there. And that's how it started. I have to, I have to ask this too. There's one article that I was reading about you and it said that you were struggling to find your voice. Now you don't strike me as one <laughs> struggle to find your voice um, but what what was going on uh, during that time and what would 
what would constitute that phrase from your mouth? I mean, here you are, the pilot, the instructor, everything. But what was it that, what was that struggle like? And what was the realization, the epiphany that got you over that hump? You know, a lot of it is environmental. I mean, you, you are here seeking my story. It makes it easy to share. Sure. That's not always going to be the case. You're not always going to be surrounded by people who want to hear your story or, you know, I think so a lot of it, I, I would say, first of all, it starts inside. Mm-hmm. So those self-doubts we have and, you know, obviously I'm at a point in my life where I'm much more confident, but you know, when you, when we're younger, we need to build that somehow, some way. And so that struggle to find my voice really came from being in a mostly male environment and trying to figure out a, who I was, B how I fit in see, you know, accepting that I'm different, but I still do the same thing and I can make a big impact, but it still kept me very quiet when I was in these groups because I didn't really, I wasn't sure about myself. And even though all my performance proved that I was capable, you know, I think it came with, I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't being picked as the one to do this. And, and which is so funny because it's not about that. It's about raising your hand and saying, me, 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 me. And I, you know, I preach that now I say, raise your hand, put yourself out there. But there was a part of me that was still hesitant because of, well, if I was good enough, they would ask me if I was this, they would ask me. So I missed a lot of really great opportunities. And it wasn't until someone else really believed in me, which it sounds funny because everybody says, you know, you got to believe in yourself. You got to be strong. You got to do it. And you know, that's all true, but there's so much power when we, you know, put a little faith in someone else. So like when my husband said to me, you know, you should do the speaking thing. When I was asked to go to weapons school, I, I, when somebody said that to me, I was the squadron commander said to me, and I I didn't say anything right away, but inside my head, I was thinking, are you kidding me? I'm not weapons school material. (laughs) And my husband was the one that said, you got, are you, you, you got to do this. You cannot turn this down. And I'd love to say that I had the faith and belief and confidence in myself right away, but you know what? We're social beings. We're meant to be connected and help each other out. And there's, you know what? There's no shame in that. There's no shame in using your tribe to be like, Hey, you know, it doesn't show a lack of confidence. You know, I mean, maybe natural confidence initially, but once somebody else believed in me, I wasn't going to let them down. You sh- once I dig my heels and say, I'm going to do this, yeah. I'll yeah. do it. But you know, it's that, it's that getting to that point saying yes. Oh man. It, it reminds me of a, a little thing. My kid taught me, he, he uh, got a flashlight and he, sh- he's shown it on himself, right? Woo! Look at this. I'm in the spotlight, <laughs> but then he shines it over and goes, but look how many other people I can help when I shine that out. and so it's it's essentially what you're doing is we 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 are so ingrained you know don't don't put yourself in the spotlight it's really nice like what you're doing with athena's voice you're blazing the trail and showing that light for other uh, people's trails uh to 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 follow and then to exceed it's it's a it's amazing thing and gary how does this is amazing because you're highlighting so many things that Gary and I have, have heard in the past months. Gary, when you're hearing this, what, what's your take on this, man? Uh, I think probably the biggest thing is that strikes me is just the power of mentorship. Just mm-hmm. having, it seems like everybody that has reached any level of success, they can always point to that one person or you know, a couple of people in their journey that made that huge difference. And I, and I really appreciate what you said about the, the forest and, you know, you're allowing through your mentorship, through your speaking, through everything that you're doing in your program to where people aren't having to reinvent that path every single time and, and get beat down. And I really think it's cool too, because the people that I've respected in my life are the people that want others around them to do better than they did. And that's what you kind of said with you. It's like, yeah, I want to, to highlight that path for you. But at the end of the day, I want you to soar further. I want you to go beyond what I did. You know what I mean? And that's exciting. I mean, that is really, you're basically, it's efficient, <laughs> I guess, is the, <laughs> the, 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 the one word, if I could put on it, that's such a more efficient way of doing it than people trying to, 
to forge those paths over and over and over again. Yeah. And anyway, well, I'm going to be selfish right now <laughs> because I feel like there's a story within a story here. And you're, you're talking, we're getting a glimpse of who you are now and what you're doing with your, your speaking and that type of stuff. But take us back to your formative years. I am so intrigued as to how Tammy became who you are and who we're talking to right now. He did warn you. About, <laughs> what's that? I, I'm intrigued too. I still wonder. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you the stories, but I, I think I need a psychologist to help me uh, decipher it all, but I can tell you the story. <laughs> Please do. Um, I mean, Nothing super crazy. I grew up in Minnesota. My parents got divorced when I think I was about a year and a half old. Um, so I never lived with my mom and my dad together, but my dad was always in my life. You know, he was always there. He was, we would have so much fun with dad, go play sports, you know, eat all the ice cream when we went and visited him and you know, all that stuff. Um, but everyone, my mom had a really good support network and my mom is just filled with love. So I truly think that my success comes from having a family that no matter what happened, I knew people loved me, whether it was my mom or my aunts and uncles, you know, cause, cause there was, you know, not so good things that happened. My mom got remarried and then divorced again and then remarried again. And now she's been married for decades, you know, so there was some challenging things moving around, changing schools. And you know, even, even when you change schools within the same district, if you can't drive, it changes your whole friend platform. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, I was always a very social kid, so it wasn't so bad for me, but you know, I didn't, I didn't develop a lot of really good friends. Um, I developed a lot of friends. So I have a lot of friends from fifth grade and, you know, and back then, but none of them are, we're not really, really super good friends. We stay in touch. Um, and my mom, the one thing I, I think back, my mom always said to me or to other people when she described me and that, you know, Oh, Tammy, you know, talk, said, well, Tammy, the, the phrase she says is, Tammy's going to do what Tammy's going to do. <laughs> and that can be taken right or wrong. I don't know. I was a very, um, I'm kind of a, I'm definitely a rules person. So I followed the rules. I stayed out of trouble. I did my homework. When I was a junior in high school, I actually went to college full-time because I was just really tired of all the immature behavior around me in high school. <laughs> so I went to, I went to community college through a program Minnesota has called post-secondary education options program, but I did, I chose community college instead of the university because it was close and I could still be in sports because I was an athlete. I, you know, I competed in soccer, gymnastics and track Wow, loved sports thinks I think it has so many life lessons. Yeah. And so I was very active in sports. I was, <laughs> I was in band and orchestra. I played the piano and the French horn and the cello. <laughs> oh, and as soon as I turned 16, I got a car. I think because I was so busy, my mom's like, I'm done. I'm not driving you everywhere. <laughs> I need a car. Um, and I got a job and I worked. I mean, it was, I was just busy. I ended up getting mono and my mom said, you got to stop. You got, you got to quit something. And I was like, uh, okay, no. <laughs> so I've just lived my life busy. And I actually realized sometime in my thirties, when I, I had this mentality of, I got to slow things down. I got to, that I do it to myself and I do it because I like it and yeah. it's okay. You don't have to be the person who sits on the couch and reads. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, but I don't have to seek that. It doesn't have to be me. So <laughs> I've just been so, a very so busy you, person. So that's so do you get fulfillment out of the journey of the things that you're doing? Do you get fulfillment out of completing tasks? Like what, what pushes your buttons? I mean, you were incredibly just go, 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 go. But <laughs> what about it? I think it's the progress. Mm -hmm. Okay. You no know, progress combined with, you know, impact made through connection with others. Yep. Those are the two things I would say that really go hand in hand because I, like I said, I love being part of a team, right? But I also want to see change. I want to, I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to, and I want to do it together with other people, which is why I think why sports was great and why I loved band. I didn't so much want to play the solos, but I loved being in the band or the orchestra yeah. or whatever. I mean, I was in, a, I was in a quintet with, <laughs> my, I think it was with the French horn and I played at a funeral in high school. Weird, right? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know, but I, you know, making an impact with others. 
you you mentioned something and now i i understand a little bit of why you said that and how it was a perfect marriage into the military you have so many social circles growing up whether it be athletics whether it be band whether uh it be church whether it be family and it it seems to have given you this innate ability to read people and i found it really interesting that when you got into the military you start to learn strategy, you start to learn all of the different elements of war. And there was something interesting that you had mentioned too, and that was that you like to assess the risk in social situations, just like you would a battle. <laughs> and, and it's not, I mean, all of a sudden I'm thinking that Pat Benadar song, Love is a Battlefield. But anyway, <laughs> um, with that being said though, I get the feeling that it's not for going to war against whoever you're, you're dealing with socially, but more along the lines of how you can connect. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing, because usually when you think of wartime, it is to do harm to an enemy instead of what you're doing is you're bridging these gaps of differences. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind going into some of that strategy in, in assessing social, social situations? And what are some of the results that you have seen um, in a positive fashion that have impacted all parties involved because of it? <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> There's a lot to that. Uh, okay, so, but let me first start with the war piece of it. Because you mentioned war and attacking others. Uh, let me tell you a story. So when I first was deciding what airplane I was going to fly, I will be honest. Um, my need for speed, if you will, and my interest in, you know, exciting things. I mean, I was a roller coaster kid. I was a gymnast. I just loved stuff like that. And my ego, to be quite frank, was what pushed me down the fighter path. You know, capability wise, I was allowed that option. And so I picked it. Right. Now, they made me an instructor pilot right away instead of sending me off to a fighter jet, which was brilliant on their part, because I really was very new to the military and I didn't really understand what all these pieces did and how, the part they played. So making me an instructor pilot was awesome because in the end, that was my absolute favorite job. Um, but when it, that time ended, I was going off to fly a fighter and I went through this process of trying to determine which airplane I had to pick from four. So I needed to figure out which one I was going to pick. F-16, F-15C, F-15E, or A-10. They all have different roles. And so I did some research and part of me struggled through, well, ultimately all these platforms will take, could take lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're in the military and essentially fighter jets are the pointy, no, the pointy end of the sword. Right. Or, you know, maybe the, the army guys on the ground, there's different angles to that, but there's different parts of the sword and, and that was a pointy part of the sword. So I went through a process of, can I do that? Is that something I could actually do? And what happened was, is I ran into an A-10 pilot and I, I said, well, I sought them out and I said, hey, I need your help, you know, let's talk about this. And I explained my hesitation and specifically with the A-10, I said, I don't know. I mean, in the A-10, you might actually see the people that you would be harming. And the pilot looked at me and they said, you know what? you will also see who you're defending. Oh, wow. And that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. Because to me, I, I play the defensive role. Even in the game of soccer, my favorite role was defense. Mm -hmm. And people think that's, some people think that's weird because it's not the person who's scoring. But, you know, you need everyone. Right. You know, you know a, a car isn't going to work with, you know, even a couple screws missing. Doesn't seem like an important part, but it is. So when I learned of the defense, the defensive role, that's where... I was like, okay, yes. So now let's go back to the social aspect of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how to tie this and maybe you're going to see something that I'm, I'm missing here, but the truth is, is that I, I want everyone around me to feel comfortable. If I can do that, mm -hmm. the last thing I, I hate when I make, make people uncomfortable. So in a social setting, you know, sometimes that person's me that's uncomfortable. So what do I, you know, what do I do about it? I don't know. Well, you know, I think I did a lot of observing and I would see what I noticed over time is my biggest thing was speaking up mm. when I wasn't sure, 
I was right, or even speaking out against something that maybe was wrong. And I needed to say, Hey guys, stop. That's not right. Um, Cause I was already highlighted, right. By being the female Mm -hmm. sometimes, I mean, that's, and that's going away, which is really nice. But when you're in a group and you stand out differently, your voice is heard differently as well. So I was fearful that I would be heard, not because of what I knew and how, you know, but more of because I was female and she's just complaining. And so I I kept my voice quiet for a long time. Um, A couple of things got me to speak up. One was, there was this particular time I was um, studying. I I was in the vault where we study classified material. And this is really where this lesson finally got learned for me. And the weapons officer, the chief instructor pilot of the squadron walks in the room and he says, hey, and he asks the question. And I knew the answer immediately, but I paused in my normal Tammy fashion to make sure I knew it was 100% correct. And in the meantime, somebody else spoke up and he wasn't right. But I realized the way he said it, had I not known the right answer, I would have been like, oh yeah, okay. And I kind of looked at him and I thought, oh my gosh, that's what these guys are doing. I mean, not just guys, but that's what that's people are doing. They just answer confidently. And I should have known this by then. But it just took that moment for me to go, huh? But I had to decipher why I wouldn't do it. And the truth about it was, is that I am so honest to the core that if I guessed an answer, I felt like I was lying Mm, and I cannot stand lying. Yeah. And even to any little sliver of it. And so I really had to make a conscious decision. And I did. I said, okay. Whenever I have a, whenever somebody asks me a question and I'm not sure of the answer, I mean, if I don't know, I'm going to say, I don't know, but if something pops into my mind and I'm not sure of it, I'm not going to say, I think, because nobody wants you here to say, well, I think it's 75. They want you to say 75 and be confident. And so I did that. It, It was really hard too. I remember being in several briefs for flights and, you know, the flight leader would ask a question and some, I thought weird number was popping into my mind, but our brains are amazing. And it it felt totally wrong, but I was like, I'd answer that whatever came into my mind. Cause I used to wait until I could see it in the book in my mind or, you know, whatever, solidify it. I didn't, I spit it out. And I would say 90% of the time it was correct. Wow. And it kind of blew my mind. I just said it with confidence and threw it out there. And that's when I, that's when I kind of realized that I don't need to have so much Mm self-doubt and you know, the whole imposter syndrome thing. When I actually heard there's a thing called imposter syndrome, obviously it's not a medical like syndrome. Nothing's wrong with you. It's just a way to describe that we all have self-doubt and we feel like we don't belong sometimes. Mm -hmm. And how did I get here? When I learned that was a real thing, that was also very helpful to me. I was like, huh, it's normal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it seems crazy now us at the ages we're at, I'm, you know, we all know that this happens, but when you're 22, yeah. And surrounded by men with engineering degrees who wanted to fly since they were three going through pilot training, you're kind of like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with, I have a degree in gerontology. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Old people. I have, I have a, a quick question on that. And I don't know if this is a shift or not, but. <laughs> How do you how do you deal with in a in a group setting? One of the, one of the things you said, and this kind of made me reflect on some situations that's going on in my life, is you have such high standards. You said, you know, I, I don't like to be around people that lie. I don't like to be around people that are dishonest. That type of thing. In, in a group setting, what happens a lot of times is the people that aren't willing to do that are the ones that tend to get kind of dumped on the most in a in a strange way. So, right, like for example. What? Well, what I mean by that is if the people that are willing to stand up or, 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 or that have high standards and that aren't willing to, you know, quote unquote, lie or bend the truth or anything yeah. like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you deal with those people? Because so many times, you know, I, I've noticed in my career that, you know, you're almost you're almost shackling yourself by having those high standards and not being willing to bend the truth. And this may sound like a really strange question and I'm not (laughs) saying that someone should lie, but how do you deal, I guess a a way to rephrase it is how do you deal, how have you dealt with people in your professional career that aren't necessarily, 
you want to work in an organization where people are kind of pulling in the same direction, correct? How have you dealt with people in your career that have actually tried to sabotage and chip away at what you're trying to accomplish? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, let me start by saying you mentioned that I don't like being around people who lie or I mean, I mean, that that is true. I mean, but I think what I was more saying is that I don't like to lie. Mm -hmm. I um, and so and the reason I make that differentiation is because there was there's one time I was at training to become a T-38 instructor pilot. And I was studying and I was, you know, I mean, I'm in student mode now. So, and I'm kind of a, I'm a, what they call, they call me a pinger. You're pinging, you're pinging off the walls. And I used to try and change myself. I really did until I realized that at weapons school, I realized that that's just how I operate and it works for me. So I'm sorry that it stresses you out, but that's what I do. (laughs) So here I am studying and this guy looks at me and he said, man, I hate to be one of your students. (laughs) And I thought about that and I thought it really bothered me. And I thought, goodness gracious. But then I realized that the truth is, is that I set as instructor, I set my standards really, really high. And then when I instruct, I set the standard for the student at the level the student should be at. I'm not expecting the student to do everything like I do. You know, there's there's an expectation. And I think that's, that's what I call expectation management. And it screws us up in all sorts of areas of our life. What are we expecting versus what happened or will happen? Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as dealing with people whose standards are different or lower, I will say that when I joined Air Force ROTC, that was the first time in my life that I felt like I was surrounded by people who were trying to be better They wanted to learn. They wanted to be in the classroom. They were trying to help people. And it was like, I found my tribe. I never looked back, even though I had the option to quit. I didn't even think about it. And so already now in the military, which is most of my experience now, I'm surrounded by people who have high standards. Now, are there people that have lower ones? You bet. Um, Now we talk about this lying thing. I, I, I never looked at anybody else who answered confidently as lying. I just felt that for me because I was too hypersensitive to it. So I had to find that balance. But when I ultimately to get to the root of your question, if I am found by around people who have different standards, I think if I'm in a role where it needs to be addressed, I'll address it. Um, if it's not going to affect the mission and it's just more kind of a personal thing, I just, I don't spend time with them socially um, or I take opportunities to make an impact in a way that's, you know, a kind, compassionate push, vice judgmental. The judgment doesn't help anyone. So, I got it. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's these are great insights. I'm loving this because you made me realize something. We we just got some interesting feedback on one of our videos, and 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 ironically, I was just watching Star Wars, so I'm gonna me- I'm gonna mesh them together. <laughs> <laughs> that is one when, of the things. Uh, how do you? you have had to overcome so many different uh, assumptions about who you are. There's no doubt about it, especially in the military. Uh, and in light of what we've experienced lately, how do you, <laughs> again, I told you it was a tie-in to Star Wars. How do you overcome the tractor beams of other people's opinions? Does that make any sense? <laughs> yes, it does. Um, a couple ways I would say first one of my most common method was ignoring them. (laughs) So my, my belief is that that's out there. Right. And, you know, like using people being sexist or whatever, people ask me that, does this happen to you? And I said, "Hmm, yeah, but you know, I don't, I didn't ever look for it. Right. Which in some cases was harmful, but for the majority, it was better because the truth is, is that if you look for it, you're going to find it where it, where it is, but you also find it in places it's not really happening and you will create more of it than really exists. And my goal was always to do my job, do it well, and just help the mission. It wasn't to cause any sort of social uproar or even to prove that women could do it. I mean, that ultimately kind of came after I didn't intend to be like, Oh, look, we can do this. I didn't even really realize I was one of the first women in fighters. Cause it was 10 years after women started to fly fighters. Right. There still just weren't that many of us. And so that's really, I don't know. I think that that's, 
that's part of it. The other thing too, is to recognize who's, which laser beams, if you will matter, you know? So one of the things I actually talk about in my keynote is not, is staying in there, staying in the arena and battling with my armor of social courage on, and you know, what is, what on earth does that mean? Right. It means that I just needed to recognize that I needed to stop worrying so much about what everybody else thought or truly what it is I thought that they thought, because they probably didn't think it mm-hmm. anyways, because if I'm worried about whatever, what someone else is thinking about me, ultimately that's, that's a selfish response. They're probably not mm-hmm. even thinking about me. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. they might, but who cares, you know? So, you know, just kind of, and there's a few laser beams you got to look, you got to look at, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're, you're bringing up that it's about challenging our own assumptions, which is something that I don't do on a regular basis. And (laughs) to your point, just, Oh, I wonder, wonder, wonder what that thought is, (laughs) but you're right. And I think part of that too is, is I think I've seen so many times, you know, in my life and in others, other people's lives as well, is that, you know, if you start chasing all the ones that don't matter, you're just, you're spinning your wheels and it's such a a time suck going after trying, trying to feel, you know, justify yourself to people that either don't matter or, or aren't important to what you're trying to accomplish. It can really be a drain. It's true. And you have to go into any, any battle, if you will. I mean, if you, if you decide that there's a goal you want, you've done solid goal setting, a solid goal setting process, you've determined it's worth it and you can, you know, there's going to be struggle. So when, you know, you just prepare in advance for that struggle, you might not know exactly what the struggle is going to be, but you know, it's going to occur. And I really think that a lot of times people fail, not because they're not prepared, but sometimes they don't prepare for the unexpected things. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to happen. You got to be ready for that. You got to recognize inside your own battle that you can't just pretend it's not happening. You can't fight an enemy you don't know. So that internal battle is something you have to deal with, recognize and, you know, seek help from others or whatever it is you use, use your wingman or whatever your family, it doesn't matter. But then lastly, and I think this is where a lot of people fall off the train or should I say plane? (laughs) (laughs) They, They don't get in what I call get, they need, you need to get in the zone when you're going after something. And that's what I was really good at. So once I decided that's it, we're going quitting is not an option anymore that we're taking that off the table because I did solid goal setting. You don't even want that word in your mind because any thoughts of quitting now, it just detracts. It takes thought energy. And if this is a difficult goal, you need every single ounce of energy towards that goal. And the thing is too, when you're, when you go, well, maybe you're throwing yourself back into the deciding phase. You've done that already. If you've done that already, close the door, be done. You need that to go forward. So, and I think that's where a lot of people fall off. They start, they open the can of worms of quitting. And I want to ask you this question. You guys, it's my turn to ask you. This <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm ask this question. Listen, <laughs> would you rather work with and or hire a quitter or a failure? Ooh, I, I like the failure because I, I'd like to say that I learned from my failures and I'm hoping that whoever I'd hire that failed have learned from theirs. <laughs> That's I, my- I would argue I would pick failure any day. Yeah. I mean, how often have you heard lately that success comes after failure, fail mm-hmm. forward? People who fail often succeed. They can be, you know, I've seen, I've seen so many people when I was instructing in the T37 or the T38, so many people that wanted to quit because, you know, oh, I'm failing. I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit and take the easy route out. This must not be my path. Well, no, guess what? If it's challenging, it's probably a good path for you. And the ones that were sticking it out and giving it all they could, even though, man, it was a struggle. I would, we, all of us would pour everything into them everything we could and ultimately they would make it but quitters often just keep quitting you know if you bail out of an aircraft there's lots of consequences you didn't expect yeah yeah well and i think i think we've also made failure such a a negative connotation in our society but the one thing that failure absolutely means is that somebody tried you know and, and that's one thing that i've realized in my career too is is like man 
let's just try something. Let's mm-hmm. just try it and see if it works. If it doesn't, that's okay. We're going to grow and we're going to move on. You know what I mean? And even if we make a mistake, hey, at least we tried. <laughs> you know, I think we, we, Maurice and I, you know, we've, we've talked about things in our past and a phrase that always comes up many times is paralysis by analysis, <laughs> you know, where totally get that. Yeah. We just sit around and you're just like, okay, we should do, uh, uh but what if, but what if, but what if yeah. and many times you just got to jump off. Sometimes there's another way of jumping out of the plane in a positive way <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, because that's what the right thing to do. But yeah. So I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think that's actually really profound. It you is know, profound. failure versus yeah. just quitting. And I like what you say too, because I've seen that in my life and other people's lives as well is if you are caught in that, well, should I quit or should I step away? That's such a toxic place to be it in. Really is. Yeah. And it's, it tears you up. Yeah. yeah. And, and seeing that you're, it's obvious you didn't quit uh, a 10 Warthogen. <laughs> but it was interesting too, because even though you couldn't physically fly those anymore, it's amazing that when that stick to itness always leads to another opportunity. And, yeah. and when I look at what you were doing with a predator and, and, and the other UAVs, I mean, could you have ever thought <laughs> you would have been doing that? It's amazing. Uh, it's, it's also a great reminder of um, not, not quitting. I, 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 and I say that to me right now because there are certain things I'm not, I don't want to do that. Is it because of the inconvenience or is it because I'm lacking that commitment? I, I, I can't tell you how much I'm learning from this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. Well, yeah, I, you know, I didn't, um, when, when I first graduated pilot training, it was honestly, we joked about, ha ha, you're going to go fly UAV. Um, we're just <laughs> kidding. You know, like, and so I never would have pictured myself and I never would have chosen it. But the truth is, is that life changes, opportunities change. And there was many people that got forced into RPAs is what they call them remotely piloted aircraft who didn't want to be there and they were bitter and they didn't get very far and they made everyone else around them miserable. Right. I don't, I just don't believe in that. You take whatever opportunity you have and you make the best of it. You don't make it worse, especially when, you know, that bleeds over into other people. It's just terrible. And so I took this opportunity and I, I, I went with it the, you know, the best that I could with the the knowledge that I had and and where I could take it. And, and no, I wasn't flying formation and, and being up pulling G's and going fast and doing rejoins, which is awesome and shooting the gun. But you know what I did, I knew I did something that mattered every single day because with the exception of my initial training at Creech and weapon school, all of my flying time was combat time, combat support time. So meaning we did all of our currency and everything in combat. So the camera was always helping some guys out there in the ground, guys and gals that I use that term broadly, um, helping them on the ground, giving them some sort of, you know, video coverage. Now I didn't always know what, what I was doing and as far as how I was helping them, I should say. Um, but it was, I knew it was always making an impact somewhere for someone. And that mattered to me. Yeah. You have that, you have that shirt, live a great story. And it's obvious that you have (laughs) lived a great story. Um, and as you share that story, what have been some of the impacts that I'm trying to word that correctly, but what are some of the things that you've seen from your participants as they've come up to you that has have impacted them by sharing that story uh, of living a great story? <laughs> so are you asking me like people yeah. who've heard me speak? What, yeah. what is like, yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of people have come up to me talking about how you can still be, your authentic self and go achieve great things. You don't need to change who you are. And, but then you also need to dig in, you know, you need to establish what that goal is and not let other people sway you. Cause that's, that's really where a lot of people fall off the, the, the plane <laughs> um, <laughs> because they let other people's opinions impact where they're going. Right. And So I think a lot of it comes back to the foundation of setting that, doing that solid goal setting, finding your, what are your core values? What is your purpose? And what do you want to achieve before you set yourself down the path of going to do whatever it is? And 
I think that's been the most helpful for people to see that once you set that goal and assuming it's a good, solid goal, you just have to have that no quit mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to touch on that a little bit. So it's very clear that once you have set a goal into motion, there's no quitting and you're going to accomplish it. That, that, that sounds like that's kind of a given. Yeah. So I'm guessing I'm going to, I'm going to deduce from that, that there's a lot of legwork and a lot that goes into the front end of that deciding what is a worthy goal, what it is that you really want to do kind of, kind of focus on that a little bit. And you mentioned three things and I, and I've already kind of forgotten them of things that you look at, like, well, it was core values and there was another couple, but kind of take us through kind of your mindset when there's something, how do you know whether it's something you're going to do, not going to do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say back when I was younger, it was more of follow your gut. It wasn't a, a process. I mean, I wish I had, if I was 20 something listening to myself right now, I'd be like, find your core values. That sounds like, you know, Air Force core values, my purpose. I, truthfully, right? You know, like, I'm just going to go. I mean, that's what I did. I just, I just put my boots on. I went and either I was lucky and, or my gut is in tune with where I need to be. But I think nowadays it's more of finding out your core values. And I, I personally read a book and I'll grab it right here that I really appreciated that helped me find like my personal <laughs> core values. I like that title. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> well, it's a really good book. And it's, I, I'm because I'm such a, a go, go, go person. I'm not much of a reader, which is terrible. I, it's one of my goals. I work on it, but this is a really <laughs> quick, easy read. For, um, those, so, for those people just listening on audio, okay. can you do, yeah. get the title and the author? It is Black Sheep by Brant Menzor. And it's great. It's a really quick read. He also has an audiobook version of it that he reads himself. And it's really good. And there's processes you can go through to help you find your personal core values. But I, I truly think that's where it starts. So, and I, you know, I have an impact statement that came out of it. So to create life-changing impact through connection and authenticity. Um, you know, cause those, my core values come down to connection, authenticity, impact, integrity. So those are what I kind of dug down to. And what does that mean? How does that, how does that impact my life or my goals? Basically I take those, those core values and going forward, it helps me determine what makes sense. Does, does this goal or objective in front of me meet that? And does it help make an impact in that area? If the answer is no, then I'm going to say no. It's one thing that's really helped me say no to things because like most people who want to help lots of people, it's hard to say no. You want to help everyone, right? but it's not always going to be the best choice to say yes, because if I say yes, and A, it doesn't, it doesn't line up with my core values. That's first of all, a problem. But the second problem that arises is it decreases my capability to help where I really do need to make an impact. So I kind of filter everything through my core values. And then I determine if it's going to, if, if is this going to make an impact in a positive way? Because that's really ultimately my goal. Now, when I retired from the air force, I knew I, I knew I couldn't just do either a, ju just be a stay at home mom. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely zero. That's my right. primary job right now is taking care of my children and super important. But for me, as you can tell, I'm very busy. I like to be busy, busy. And so part of it came with that whole forest thing we talked about earlier is I'm not just going to like shut my light off and disappear. Yeah. I need to keep the light on for people coming behind me. And how do I do that? How do I make that impact? Because my role now is not to be out there at the pointy end of the sword or to train those that are going to be at the point that it's, to get people, you know, I can help more people than just military because all these concepts go cross. Yeah. My goal is really to help people believe in themselves and, and work towards, you know, the good of everyone else. And, and that's what we all should be doing. Truly. You, should, you know, I think all of us should be ultimately our purpose should be connected to others, but that's just my personal opinion. I think anything done out of selfishness is, is just in the end, not going to have the right, right impact that it should. Yeah. Oh, this is great. I, I, I can't think of a better way to kick off the new year than, <laughs> than what I'm listening to right here. Um, it's just, it's, 
it's simple, but yet profound. And you've taught me so much today about things that I need to look back and take a serious look at too. And I, I have to thank you for it. Thanks. Thanks for the free therapy therapy session. Today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, yeah. it's funny you say simple, but profound, but you know, when you say that, what happens that whole, it reminds me, I mean, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. like, you know, who am I? These are just simple concepts. What do you know? No one wants to listen to my simple concepts, yeah. um, but the truth is it's, it's how you, how do you break things down and make, make it digestible for people? A lot of the things I've said, people have heard before yes. and maybe just the way I say it might help them go, Oh, yeah, I get it. And that matters. If it's just that one final, you know, piece of paper on the stack that makes it go. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it hits the weight or whatever you need. But, you know. Well, I, I think it goes back to it's again, it's the power of story, you mm-hmm. know, and your story brings like you said it's it's a way of bringing those simple precepts and concepts to a person to to the people that you're you're reaching out to and that are coming to you like you said i guarantee because even just the conversation we've had i've been highly motivated and (laughs) and i've received a lot of instruction that i want i need to start looking at myself i mean and i'm going to be a little vulnerable here because we we do that here sometimes but like you know i'm in healthcare right now and it's incredibly a difficult time. And the last two years, from my perspective, have been incredibly difficult. And, you know, some of the stuff that you've said to me, I really need to, to think about, you know, before we even started, you said, thank you for not quitting. Yeah. And this is at a time where I'm like, all I want to do is just get out of this mess <laughs> and quit. You know what I mean? And so I, I need to reflect personally on some of my core values and what I want to accomplish. And so I thank you for that. It's very, very profound. And for me, you're welcome. I like to think about the people around me. And if I quit, it's just, is it going to make it worse for them? And it's not, I'm not saying it's all about everyone else. I mean, you, you obviously personally play a part in it, but if you chose that path, there was a reason. Yeah. So, you know, how does that impact make, you know, so. I love it. Bam. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a, this, it's a mic drop. <laughs> That's right. Tammy, I, I, I hope you'll stay on the line for a second after we, we uh, end this, but I want to thank you because it is something that goes right into a lot line with a lot of the resolutions that I've, I've put down for this year. And I can't thank you enough for, for reinforcing the things that I've been looking at and giving me the motivation to th- that stick to itness. Uh, that uh, you exude so well. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. You got it. Thank well, you. It's been a pleasure. Catch- it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah. Exactly.